As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host, Matt Fortuna. And it's it's Vegas week. It's BYU week. Um, it's the Notre Dame fan base getting out over at skis week, potentially, depending on how the game goes. So we, we found someone who can talk about all that stuff, um, particularly the Notre Dame fan base. Tim Murray, uh, who's a, a friend of the show, even though he's never been on it. But I, I'm pretty sure you've listened. Um We've been on his that counts or something. Yeah, we've definitely been on his very his various platforms at Vison in uh, Las Vegas. He formerly was a radio man for Navy, so saw some things with there too, which we will get into later. Um, and sent us a list very kindly of every Notre Dame game that he's attended in his life. I think you're on a seven game win streak, maybe an eight game win streak. Um, and Tim, I got to say, like based on some of the losses, I don't see a lot of similarities to BYU this weekend because the losses you went to were epic, epic defeats. Fellas, I feel so stupid being on your podcast. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm just a guy, a Notre Dame fan who has bugged you. Uh, Pete's probably gotten countless DMs like, "What's going on with the quarterback situation?" <laughs> you know, I just. Pete, Pete made the biggest mistake in his life. I don't know how many years ago when I invited him on whatever show I was and he followed me on Twitter. I'm like, ah, what a terrible decision. Now I'm going <laughs> to pepper his DMs. Uh, but no, it's a pleasure. And uh, I do always appreciate you guys coming on. Matt and I have become a degenerate gambling buddies now. So it's speak, speak for yourself, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I think there's we have company policies. You can't say that on this podcast. Uh, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah. you know, for entertainment <laughs> yeah. purposes only. I'm just uh, just kidding. But no, it's a pleasure. Uh, yes, uh, through and through. Uh, fortunate to be in this crazy industry that we call sports media. But uh, I try my darndest to keep my uh, my true fandom for one thing and one thing only. That is Notre Dame. I, I grew up in D.C., uh, I've been, you know, beaten and battered by that football disaster. Uh, so Notre Dame is the only thing and they've, they've given me some punches too, but, uh, you know, uh, we are, uh, we're alive and ready. And I remember Pete, I, I want to say might've been two or three years ago, you did your mailbag and 
of course I was filling it out because I'm a nerd. And it was like, where do you want to see Notre Dame play? I was like, Las Vegas. And yes. lo and behold, here we are, baby. Yeah. I moved to Vegas and they're coming to Vegas. I remember you- sitting down with Swarbrick when like they were trying to figure out the return game of the BYU series and they were they were supposed to play in Provo. And I was like, hey, there's a new NFL stadium in Vegas. What about that? And it was like a bit, a bit of personality came out of Jack in that moment where he had a huge smile on his face and said absolutely nothing. And I was like, all right, Vegas, it is. And here, and here we are. <laughs> Yeah, it was you? last. It was last Labor Day weekend. I want to say week one, and I was actually sitting at a sports book watching Wisconsin lose the Penn State, and uh, and I'm like, I see this tweet come across from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I'm like, because I I kind of knew it was happening eventually. It was kind of there was a lot of uh, thoughts like, hey, Vegas, Vegas, BYU is owed a game. And then it came across and I was, I couldn't have been more excited. And, in you know, the stadium, I haven't been there as a fan. I covered as Matt sent me the screenshot, uh, last year's Las Vegas bowl, uh, when Wisconsin beat, uh, Arizona state, hopefully that's not an omen for Marcus coaches <laughs> and Kalani Edwards. Sataki that they'll be fired in a year, <laughs> uh, because both those coaches have since been fired. Uh, but no, it's, it's a phenomenal stadium. And uh, I can only imagine because that environment for the Vegas Bowl was like, I don't know, 30, 35,000 fans there. It, it's going to be jumping, man. I mean, if the secondary market means anything, it, it's going to be a very lively atmosphere in a legion on Saturday. Did you get to Vegas? When did you get to Vegas? Was it before or after everything got legalized elsewhere? Uh, it was after. Yeah. So okay. I moved here uh, pretty much in the heart of the pandemic. So I was doing a show in D.C., a gambling show in DC for about a year and a half on uh, NBC. And then when COVID hit, it kind of dried up. And then uh, I latched on with VEASAN and drove across country. So right before the COVID season, when Notre Dame made the run to the playoff in 2020, I moved here in the end of April of 2020. Think of all the money. Think of how good COVID was for the gamblers who didn't lose all that money because they had no sports to bet on for a long period of time. That's at least what I would tell myself. They, they were finding things, Matt. They were talking about <laughs> ping pong. They were, I mean, they were finding different things to uh, to bet on. But uh, yeah, once uh, once the sports came back, I think I went to the first uh, night I was uh, at a sports book. It was like early September and it was like a Sunbelt game, like Arkansas State opened up. The, and I'm like, all right. Let's go Red Wolves. Let's get it done. <laughs> <laughs> so how I was interested, like how do you, how you married the, uh, the Notre Dame fan and gambling aspects together. And if you have any particularly terrible, terrible beats uh, as it related to Notre Dame, whether, whether they won the game or lost. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Pete. I don't, I try my best not to bet on Notre Dame because you know, when they're a favorite and they lose or sorry, they're a favorite and they win and they don't cover. I don't want to be bummed out. Right. I guess my team. Mm-hmm. So I try my best. Winning is hard. Yeah. 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 As, as Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman have let us know. Um, but you know, as for, yeah, the Notre Dame fandom was, was from birth. My dad went to Notre Dame. My sister went to Notre Dame. Uh, the two brothers were dumb and couldn't get into Notre Dame, uh, even though we, we try to preface it because my brother played baseball in college and I played basketball in college. Like, oh, yeah, we wanted to play sports. There's I didn't even apply. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting into that school. There's no way. What's a Bucknell, though, right? 
What's that? You're Bucknell, right? No, I went to a school called Muhlenberg. It's oh, shoot. close oh, enough. That's, close right, that's enough. right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. That's a good school. I yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be six six and have a little bit of a jumper to uh, get me into a D three school. But um, yeah, the, the gambling thing is interesting because so I always was obsessed with sports uh, growing up, and you know, my dad wasn't a big sports fan. Now he played sports, you know, growing up, but never was like crazy NFL guy, but what he did love was Notre Dame. So I took his fandom and took it to the millionth degree. And, and that gave me a love for college football. And, you know, you know, Matt, you, you know, you live in Chicago, so it's a, it's a, you know, college football area, but the mid Atlantic area is just, Mm. it's dead. I mean, it's an end of, it's a pro sports region, right. From DC to Philly, to New York, to Boston, everyone cares about pro sports. So for me, I was kind of a an, an oddity that I just loved college football. I couldn't get enough of it. And I love college basketball too. So, you know, once I graduated college and I got into the radio industry, um, a good friend of mine uh, who's a radio host in DC, his name's Kevin Sheehan, was all about, he called it the smell test. It was a, a gambling segment he did each and every week on his show. And I was like, this is fascinating. So the the crux of it is this, right? If the line doesn't make sense, just go against your intuitions. When the public is on everything, I'll give you an example. This two weeks ago, North Carolina is what a two-point favorite against Notre Dame. The world couldn't get enough of North Carolina. Oh, Notre Dame's terrible. There's no way they're gonna win. What happens? Notre Dame wins by 13, should have been more, but they cover easily. So it's kind of that I call it the stinky line theory. Um, you know, USC being less than a touchdown favorite against Oregon State. The world loaded it up on USC, Oregon State covered. So it's that kind of got me into it and got me kind of like, oh, this is really fascinating. So college football got me into the gambling space. And that's when I started gambling and, and thinking a little more interestingly. And then, you know, fortunately in this business, uh, there's just become more opportunities. And as a radio host, I've kind of had my ups and downs and uh, like any of us and, you know, sports gambling, fortunately was an avenue where I was able to latch on like three, four years ago. And, and uh, fortunately to this point have, have uh, kind of been full steam ahead. It's interesting, like coming on so many of the recent shows, like, cause the questions are completely different than yep. any <laughs> other show that I would go on. It's like, yep. you know, halftime lines and over-unders how like, how much of a market have you guys found to be for that? And like, cause for people who don't know VSIM, it's like Brent Musburger, Friends mm-hmm. of the Desert. You 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 were sort of like worked on that show, hosted that show. What um how do you sort of uh, find enough of a mainstream to attract new audience while also appealing to the people who are uh maybe a little bit more on the Matt Fortuna degenerate side of things? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think Pete, you were on. I want to say I had you on my Saturday show, my one of my first shows at Vison. Pete came on when Notre Dame was playing Duke, and you were like, "Take the under," and uh, that cash twenty seven thirteen. If I if I if my memory serves me correctly, so uh, well done, Pete Sampson. You know, it's interesting that you say that. So I think right now we're trying to thread that needle where. Obviously, the boom of gambling is everywhere. I think the latest, it's 35 states that are legalized. I mean, and and fortunately for Visa, I wasn't there at the inception. You know, Brent obviously was the, the face, still is our face, does a Sunday show. 
Uh, his nephew, uh, Brian Musburger, is our CEO. And, you know, they kind of had this idea and it was kind of a slow build. And, you know, you have a very initially kind of a niche uh, following uh, people who just want gambling insight. Now, with a lot more people becoming casual betters, where it's 22 to win 20, you know, 11 to win 10, whatever it may be. We've been getting those people because they're they're interested now that the states are legalized. So that's what we're trying to thread. And I think that's what, you know, attracted, you know, them to me, which was my radio background. I was a radio host first that then got involved in sports gambling as a as as opposed to the others. So um yeah, I, I think as as the popularity grows, we've been fortunate. Uh, especially with our morning show, follow the money to be on in a whole bunch of network uh, markets. You know, my show is on in Chicago on the Marquee Network for I think a half hour or so uh, when there aren't Cubs games. So yeah, mine. it's <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, and, and as you know, as Matt knows too, with uh, with the show that he does with my good friend Brad Evans and and Danny Kleppinger. I mean, look, it's it's awesome. I mean, to be honest, like I, I'm so to me, I I just hope that more and more outlets are doing this because that means honestly more jobs are available. And, you know, I mean, I've been laid off three or four times in the radio industry. And, and fortunately this boom of gambling is continuing to grow and uh, you know, hopefully we can keep it going, but yeah, to your answer, to answer your question, Pete, like, you know, your listener right now wants to know uh, the ins and outs of, you know, you know, how does this Notre Dame team stack up, you know, all time, like, the thing about VEASAN is we, we don't do things like that, right? We just, we want to focus on like, and, and I'll say this even, you know, kind of fun, you know, interestingly is like, sometimes you just want to react to like post game things. We don't do that. Like, it's like on to the next, all right, Notre Dame, BYU in the past, Notre Dame, Stanford now on the next Saturday. So it's like, you kind of have to train your mind. Like there's no Monday morning quarterbacking all that much. Cause it's just like, maybe you could take what you learned to move it to the next weekend but that's kind of the interesting aspect of uh, of being in gamble in the gambling sphere. It, I'm glad you brought up Brad Evans because I said on air last week when he picked Illinois to win that I would get a Brett Bielema tattoo on my back if Illinois beat Wisconsin. And sure enough, that <laughs> happened. And I was in Illinois today, and I had the pleasure of telling Brett Bielema that to his face, and he took it about exactly how you'd think Brett Bielema, who ha- still has an Iowa Hawkeye tattoo on his leg, would, would take such a <laughs> such a joke. Um, but no, I mean to, to your point, it, it's this is the first time I've been doing a gambling based show live on the line Friday. And it's like, it's fun. You know what I mean? Like, you know, wins and losses aside, like you've really, the audience I'm sure you've noticed is just, I hate to use the word smarter, but like you don't have any dumb viewers who are casually turning in, tuning in. Like the calls we get are why is Wyoming going to cover 17 and a half this week? Like you need to be on your P's and Q's to, to, to succeed and have fun with it. And I've just found that to be, Again, to me, like it's no different than fantasy football, which you know has been le- always been legal, but has been mainstream for for a while. Um, it just it, I've been fascinated by the, the development of that space so far. Well, the, I opened a show I want to say I don't know four or five months ago uh, by saying this. I'm like, you know what the beauty of because my co-host is uh, Sean King. Uh, you know, finished tenth in the Heisman in '98, uh, played for the Bucks, and uh, you know we 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 go back and forth. And, and I'm like, you know what the great thing is, Sean? We're going to have an answer soon. You know, there's no, I like LeBron, you like Jordan. <laughs> we don't do those discussions, right? It's like, I like 
Notre Dame, you like BYU. Guess what? Come Saturday, we're going to find out which one of us is right. And that's kind of the fun part about, you know, being in the gambling discussion space is that, hey, eventually we're going to know the answer. You know, it might take a long time. You know, I might say that Alabama is going to win the title. We got to wait till January, but eventually we're going to know the answer. And look, you can make excuses like like last weekend I had Iowa State minus three against Kansas. I wanted to punch Matt Campbell in the face because he decided to kick a field goal on fourth and inches after his field goal kicker had hit the upright on two different you know attempts. So, you know, those are the funny things where you can kind of make excuses. But at the end of the day, I was wrong and uh, the other side was right. And, you know, maybe they were lucky, but, uh, you know, it, it, that's just the kind of the beauty of uh, of how it all plays out in that in that gambling landscape. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Tim, you referenced sort of the, the North Carolina game and the line sort of begging you to take Notre Dame, which not enough people did maybe, but... What, I mean, for this weekend, what's interesting to you about Notre Dame BYU? Yeah, so when you look at the line, it's either three and a half or four, depending on you know where where you look. There's always different shops um, that that offer lines like this. And you know, I texted you, Pete, uh, a week or two ago about DraftKings had game of the year lines still up, and it actually had Notre Dame as a one point favorite. And I think people. Might be a little bit, we're a little surprised by that. And now it's three and a half. And, you know, what's interesting is you look back at the summer and the game of the year line when it was released was Notre Dame as a five point favorite. So the odds haven't really changed all that much from June, uh, from June to now. And I think there's a kind of belief that Notre Dame is starting to get back to what it was expected to be, which was that, you know, strong offensive line, strong defensive line. You know, we, we had questions about the quarterback over the summer. We still have questions about the quarterback situation. And then BYU got off to a really good start, right? They beat Baylor. They look kind of pretty darn impressive. They're still 16th in the country, but I think the Oregon game, the performance against Utah State kind of brought them back down to maybe the preseason expectations of, hey, they're solid, but you know, there was a moment in time, guys, where when they beat Baylor and heading into an Oregon game where they were a three and a half point underdog, people were looking at the schedule saying, okay, if they beat Baylor or uh, Baylor, then Oregon, then they beat Notre Dame and then they beat Arkansas and then they beat, you know, Stanford at the end of the year, like, whoa, BYU might be headed to the playoff. And I think they were getting a little over their skis on BYU. So I think ultimately, 
where we stand now, guys, is kind of what the expectation was. So it's it's very interesting because I, you know, I noted like some game of the year lines for this weekend and what how big they have changed. Like Oklahoma, Texas. Now Dylan Gabriel's hurt, but Oklahoma over the summer was a six and a half point favorite. Now they're a seven point underdog. Texas AM was a 13 and a half point underdog. Now they're 24. And then you look at BYU Notre Dame and there's a difference of one point, essentially, right? Five over the summer down to four. So I think that's what's interesting. You know, I personally haven't made a bet on this game. Uh, I did a, we do a show on VEASAN on Sundays when the lines are first revealed. And I said, you know, anything under three, I would be interested in Notre Dame. And that quickly blew past there. If I had to guess, guys, I think it, it probably stays three and a half, four. That would be my projection on where this game ultimately stays come Saturday night. Tim, the the uh, legal pad picture of games you've attended in your lifetime. Oh, you're holding it up right now. Um, <laughs> I know, obviously, there's some. You've seen some stuff. We'll leave it at oh, that. Yeah. Um, the, keeping it to this year, how have you processed the first four games as a fan, especially with the new regime? So I've. <laughs> So the Ohio State game was one where I sat there and I was kind of in disbelief. Like, are we really? Does Notre Dame really win at halftime? Like, I kind of had that high pitched voice. I was with, I was in Indiana with a bunch of family. I'm sitting there watching this game, and I'm like, ah. I, I, I didn't think they would win ultimately, but I was like, wow, okay, you know, maybe this is this is happening, you know. And then I remember sitting on the couch watching the Marshall game, and and I get pretty heated you know there's there's holes and walls of old houses and i didn't even like have a reaction that entire game i just sat there and was like huh they're gonna lose to marshall like it was almost like toledo last year i was like oh this is really gonna happen huh they're gonna lose to a mac team and this week this year was a sunbelt team so i I just i and then i kind of came away from that game i was like wow this team might is this team gonna be I mean, the range of emotions that I think, and and you guys have hit on it, like the roller coaster of what I thought this team could be after the Ohio State game, then after the Marshall game, didn't really change that much after the Cal game. And then the UNC game comes, and I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. You can run the hell out of the ball. You can get sacks. I'm like, so now I've kind of come back to the realization where I thought it was preseason. Maybe not as high. I thought this was probably a nine-win team preseason. And I wrote up for VEASAN.com, the Notre Dame preview, shockingly. And um, I, I think what I said was, look, I think they'll win one of these toss-ups. I think they'll lose to Ohio State. And I think they'll win a Clemson, USC, BYU, uh, or uh, yeah, those those three. I was like, yeah, I could see them nine and three. Now, I think the Syracuse game is weird, you know, interesting. Um, BC is awful, fortunately for Notre Dame, uh, Stanford's not very good, but you know, I think eight and four, seven and five is probably where they are. So a little bit below, um, expectations, but yeah, it, it's been kind of a roller coaster because, you know, after that Ohio state game, cause I was really high on Ohio state still am. And I'm like, huh, maybe this is, this is what they're going to be. And then, you know, I, I think the North Carolina game to me kind of even things out a little bit, like. All right, this is where they probably should be. Maybe a little less than what we expected, but I think overall, if you look at like power ratings based off of sports books, they've been downgraded, but they certainly have been much upgraded from the North Carolina performance. So looking over your roster of games, one, 
This is will be your fourth Shamrock Series game, and I I'm including the 2009 Notre Dame Washington State game in there because it, it's sort of like the Shamrock Series game that Notre Dame doesn't like to talk about for some reason. I don't know if it's because it was like Charlie White's <laughs> last win or what have you, but um, the the best game you have seen, I'm guessing, has to be the Bush Push game, right? Like. Oh yeah, that has to be your your the best game you've seen. The worst, man. You've got some options. You've got some real <laughs> options on here. Uh, I've covered yeah. most of them. I don't know where the I did not make the Fiesta Bowl in two thousand. Oh, Oregon State. Oh god. Um, I did cover the New Year's Day Notre Dame NC State game where it was Pat Dillingham versus Philip Rivers. Um, that one stands out to me as like a very long game that no one wanted to watch. And then uh, I, I don't know what you, the best and worst of your Notre Dame fandom in person. What uh, what do you got? All right. So the best is no, the Bush Bush. I mean, that is the most electric football game I've ever been to in my life. So I was a freshman in college and uh, I'll go a little inside story here. Um, so I'm a freshman. It's October 15th. That game is October 15th, 2005. My sister, an alum of Notre Dame, living in Indianapolis, um, no kids at the time. So I go in, I'm a, I'm a freshman, and I play basketball. And for those who recall, things have changed so much now. But October 15th used to be the date you started practice. My school had October break. And our coach took us into the meeting, like, I don't know, October 8th or something like that. He's like, you know what, guys? Enjoy the weekend. We'll practice on Monday. And I'm like, okay. So the first thing I do, I reach out to my buddy who's a freshman at Notre Dame, went to high school with them. I'm like, hey, man, any chance I could get a ticket? And he's like, actually, it's fall break here. My roommate, classic Notre Dame, is going home. And I'm like, yes, $20. Whoa. I got into Notre Dame USC. All right. Next, next uh, transition off to flying to, uh, to Indianapolis land on Friday. We drive in Friday night. My sister still has friends. Uh, I think we went to bar 23. Is that club 23? I think club club 23 club. (laughs) I don't think it exists anymore. Some of our our listeners will suddenly correct us on that. Yeah, so I, I try to like pretend like I know the cool things about Notre Dame when I didn't ever go there. Um, <laughs> like, so, like most, <laughs> I yeah, went exactly. to the outside linebacker in. Perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the game. Um, you know, I had the student ID of this kid who had glasses and black hair. I am a, a full-on ginger, so I did the old thumb over the picture look. Walk right in. And I still remember to this day, guys, they warmed up in blue. And right, the talk all that week was, hey, will you wear green? Will you wear green? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm kind of cool. And I, from my vantage point in the student section, I look over the entrance and they're out, they're out in green. And I remember just like grabbing some guy, random guy next to me. I'm like, they're wearing green. And that game was just unbelievable. The Matt Liner. I still to this day, though, the, the the play in that game, guys, that stands out the most to me is not the Bush push. It's not the Liner helicopter. 
It's the fact that Leinert had the balls on fourth and nine deep in the student section to be like, hold on, audible, and then <laughs> throws the absolute dime that drops into the hands of who was that? Dwayne Jarrett. Great. Dwayne Jarrett. Yeah. I also agree. Yeah, Dwayne Jarrett. So, uh, yeah. But then the helicopter happens, right? And there's chaos. Like, what's going on? Weiss is on the field. I'm like, I'm going. I'm running. I'm like, I'm running down the steps. And uh, unfortunately, uh, because remember, Pete Carroll in 05 had the decision, replay or no replay. He said no replay. So I'm like, triple zeros, no replay, game over. Not to be. Push, push, happen, next play. They lose. But still, the best game, you know, honor, runner up to me, I think would, would be, there were a couple good ones, like the uh, the Van Gorder viral video game when they won 31 to nothing over Michigan was just fun. Uh, just, just fun to beat the crap out of Michigan. And then honestly, the game I have been looking forward to guys forever was Penn State in 16. And they absolutely just murdered them. They went up 41-3, won 41-17. Oh, so yeah. in 06. Yeah, yeah, 06. I was at the 07 game too. That was not as not a, yeah, was not, that a, one. Not, a, not an enjoyable experience for any any Notre fan. It, it, was, right, so, it was for one, one third of this podcast as a freshman in college. I was. Uh, I, I remember that summer. I my dad. So it was still like the lottery days. So we got tickets to like Michigan State and some other game. And I went on like message boards, like who wants to trade for Notre Dame Penn State tickets? And I ended up getting a trade. So I traded two games for Penn State. My brother and I went. It was awful. They got. There was a pick six in that game. I remember that they led like yep. seven three, didn't they? Oh, it was, it was like, a pick. Yeah, it was uh, of Anthony Morelli, if I'm not the mistaken. first whiteout, the first all stadium whiteout, and that was really? a big thing. Like, can can this happen? Can a group of fans all wear the same color, which happens literally every week at pretty much every school in the country really now? But it, over, it was overkill on the part of Penn State oof. on that on that one. Well, yeah, for a three nineteen, but it was like. Oh. They Brutal. overcome the pick six. They win, I think, 31-10. That was my second game, I think, as a college student. I'd never been to a college football game until the week before. And I'm like, whoa, they just beat Notre Dame by 21. Like, this seems freaking good. And they weren't. And neither was Notre Dame. So, no, All right. I'll give you Notre Dame game in 16. <laughs> I'll give you a couple bad ones uh, for the OGs out there. But, by the way, uh, everything you said is bad so far, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, no, the Penn State, the Michigan games. Those oh, that, that's right. The, the Penn State win, yeah. The Teo game was fun. Um, I was at the UVA game with the Deshaun Kaiser touchdown pass. And I was oh, pretty yeah. convinced we were losing to UVA. That was something. Um, but the OGs out there. How about Bo Morgan? Does that name ring a bell? First ever overtime game in Notre Dame history. A 20-17 to 17 loss to Air Force in oh, 96. Wow. I got nothing. Uh, no, that's that was brutal, <laughs> brutal. Uh, what was the spread was on a, that one? <laughs> Air Force plus a lot uh, <laughs> in that one. Uh, the Oregon State Fiesta Bowl was just. I remember. I think it was Hoochmanzada and Chad Johnson frisked yep. each other in the end zone mm-hmm. um, after they were just streaking down, like after fifty touchdowns. Um, and then, uh, oh, this was a really bad one. Oh four, Notre Dame Purdue. Kyle Orton, I think, threw for like five touchdowns, forty-one to sixteen in that game. That oh, was that um, Taylor Stubblefield, I think, caught one and did like the drum major arm pump from like the thirty-yard line in. Yes, yeah, that was. A bad oh one. man, 
And then uh, the, 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 actually one of my last losses uh, was uh, Stanford Notre Dame when the, uh, the fullback slash linebacker, had, I think he ran for a touchdown and had a pick six in that same game. On consecutive plays, Owen. Yeah. Yeah. What year is that? Uh, 2010. 2010. Okay, first year, first year. year. Before I got there. You're just like, wow, Notre Dame was a long way away. And that was like, I think, a a three-year process of like, how do you make, how does Notre Dame find a Chase Thomas um, and Shane Scove and, you know, lo and behold, three Uh, years later, they had him. There's, there's been a lot of negativity, so I want to go back to some positives. So there's a there's a picture on my wall, a panoramic picture, and I think this is one of the better wins in uh, in the last 30 years that I think is kind of overlooked. Michigan came to Notre Dame to open up the 98 season, the year after they won the title. My sister, that was her senior year, so we go up and we're there and everyone's, you know, college game days there. And it's like Notre Dame's going to get smoked. It's Tom Brady. It's Michigan and Notre Dame. They crushed them. They won by 16 that game. So that was, uh, you know, I was, I think I was in middle school, 36 to 20 in uh, September of 98. That was one of the better, one of the better games. You're right there up with the uh, the pinstripe bowl that Pete references oh, so yeah, much. That was a, that was a fun one. Pinstripe Bowl, I remember from the media shuttle getting an accident on the way home. Um, Which I remember laughing at you guys because I didn't go to that. And I said, do not take the shuttle. I'll take the yeah, subway. Take the stadium. But, but I, I, 98 Michigan was before my time covering them. But I remember watching that game in the informal of my fraternity house at DePauw. Not really being that invested to it, but having some fraternity brothers who were huge Notre Dame fans and then like losing their stuff because of how big of a win that was for Notre Dame. And like, you know, sure enough, the Bob Davy era was turning around in that moment ever so briefly. If we're, if we're bringing up fraternities on this pod, then I got to shout out Johnny being a childhood friend of Tim Murray, who uh, was my pledge master at Penn state um, and who we've learned as a mutual connection through Instagram. My, my man, Johnny Bean is, uh, that was my catcher here. Here. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this baseball. No hitter. Johnny Bean, my catcher for that game. What was Shout that? Like Johnny. second grade or? Uh, that was uh, 10th grade. Yeah. Um, you were a multi-sport athlete. I'm impressed um, that you like, had that at arm's reach. I, <laughs> like, you guys don't want to see. Boom. My office is just a disaster. I have a TV on a box here. I guess it's a nightmare. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A couple other uh, random fun ones. Um, how about the uh, the Notre Dame uh, Pitt game in 03? That was a losing season, but that was the 
record-setting Julius Jones game. Oh, two hundred and sixty-two uh, yards. The first start of Ryan Harris's career. Shamrock guest, multiple Shamrock guests, and yeah, that was that team was bad, and then they put in a freshman at left tackle and ran all over Pittsburgh. I remember that. And Larry Fitzgerald caught a touchdown like in front of my face. I think I think it was Vontez Duff. I was like, turn around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So this will be uh. Yeah, there's some random ones on there. Multiple Gator Bowls, uh, Fenway Park. Uh, I did go last year to Chicago, which was uh, uh, obviously a misleading score, but I'll take it. Uh, Again, two coaches who are no longer in the place they were in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I think Paul Chris uh, doesn't like me very much. I saw two of his games last year and uh, he is no longer employed. All right, how we were going to get into like future lines the rest of the season. Yeah. Which I think we were so, trying to do at the top of the show, but didn't get to it. We've been yeah, we, we've been talking about the O3 Gator game. Ball too much. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Your 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 listeners are like, well, who is this guy? And why is he it. talking about it? Well, actually, but b- before that, actually, uh you're you're a local. What where should our trans go? We're going to Vegas um this weekend. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm partial because I work at Circa uh, or my studio is at Circa. So Circa is the world's largest sports book. So if you just want to watch games, um, it's it's a bit of a hike. So, you know, obviously that's that's a little far away uh, from from the beaten path. But, uh, you know, that place is is incredible. Obviously, you can hang out, you know, across the street from uh, from Allegiant, you know, Mandalay and and Beta, uh, and uh, you know MGM are all right there. There's a cool like kind of promenade area. I'll say this though, I have no ties to this place, but I think Notre Dame fans will probably find their way down there. O'Shea's is a Irish bar, and you could play beer pong there. And it's it's on the strip, but it's on this like promenade behind the link. And I think a lot of the younger folks will have heard of this, have been there before. It's kind of like $10 blackjack. But I think that it's inside the link. The link has this like cobblestone street with a bunch of bars. I think that would be a cool spot to, to hang out. O'Shea's would be really neat. Uh, but once again, if you're hanging out all weekend, I, I highly recommend come down, say hello to me, doing my show, and uh, and uh, watch some games on uh, on. Uh, uh, a screen that could see 19 games at once, or you could go it, to stadium swim too. It was, I haven't been to stadium swim, but like that was, <clears throat> I was overwhelmed. And I say that as someone who's not overwhelmed by really anything in the sports world anymore, like being when I went on with you guys and I hung out for a little bit after I'm like, this is like a Tuesday night. The only thing on is like NHL and terrible college basketball. And I was like, Holy cow, this is incredible. There's just so much going on. Yeah. And think about, remember this, because the Notre Dame game is at 4.30. Guess what starts at 9 a.m.? College football. So get up, get your Bloody Marys, and uh, go find a, go find a spot to, uh, to watch the games. Um, but, yeah, I do. So I reached out to a friend of mine and very well-respected odds maker. His name is Chris Andrews. He's the sportsbook director at the South Point in Las Vegas. So I want to preface this. By saying to all your listeners, this is not what the line will necessarily be. Things change, injuries happen, teams get better, power ratings are always fluctuating. But the premise is if these games happen today, what would the line be? So we know Notre Dame BYU is three and a half, four. So per the power ratings of Chris Andrews, sportsbook director at the South Point, 
what do you guys think the current line for Notre Dame Stanford would be? You first, Pete. I I'm terrible at these, but I'll go <laughs> Notre Dame minus seven. Uh it's funny because this BYU game for me is such a swing game. I think really, not to overstate it, they win this. They got a chance to do some special things this year. If they lose it, it could spiral fast. I'll go Notre Dame minus 12. Notre Dame minus 18. Oh, wow. Oh, man. No. no. Yeah. Oddsmaker's not super high on the old uh, Cardinal right now. All right. Uh, so Notre Dame, as of right now, so once again, Notre Dame beats BYU. That line may go up a little bit, right? And Stanford is playing, uh, there are seven Stanford point playing? Oregon State, I think. Does that sound right? I don't know. There's, they haven't covered a game this year, by the way. Um, all right. Following weekend. It is Oregon State. At the, the late, late, late game, 11 uh, Eastern. So there after you go. the Notre Dame game, you can watch that. There you go. Your get back game, as they say. <laughs> Notre Dame. No, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Notre Dame UNLV. Uh, hmm. Notre Dame minus 23 and a half. I'm going to go 18 for this one as well. I, I could see Vegas valuing the Rebels the same as they do the Cardinal. By the way, wasn't Marshall 19? Uh, I think 19 or 20. Yeah, That's crazy that they could be the same. Favorite over Marshall as they were Stanford, but go ahead. Well, as I pointed out on Twitter, you know, just to make because I don't really like Pat Narduzzi, um, just to make you know, kind of like jab them in the ribs. I was like, yeah, hey, you know, Georgia Tech was a bigger upset than Notre Dame Marshall. Just pointing out, <laughs> uh, uh, Notre Dame UNLV twenty right now. Okay, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Like Syracuse, I mean, this is like you have to buy high on Syracuse right now based on their start to the season. So, uh, Notre Dame minus one and a half. Notre Dame minus two. 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 Oh. You guys are right on. Nice. Well done. All right. The big Gahuna, Notre Dame, Clemson. Now remember. Notre Dame, Syracuse at whatever they call Syracuse's arena nowadays. And Notre Dame, Clemson being at Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame, Clemson. Uh, Clemson favored by three and a half. Oof. I'll go Clemson ten and a half. Right now, things can change. Notre Dame minus one. What? Whoa. Can we bet on these right now? <laughs> no, we cannot bet on these right now. That's a as, shame. Uh, I don't yeah, mean like this second, sh- but like after this podcast, can you buy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Notre Dame Navy neutral site in Baltimore. Oh, God. Uh, Notre Dame minus 28 and a half. Notre Dame 24 and a half. Uh, neutral site. So uh, Notre Dame 20 against Navy right mm-hmm. now. Notre Dame BC. <sighs> I mean, I. I don't know what this number is, but I would bet Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> so, but I think there, the actual number is probably what Notre Dame minus 13 and a half. Uh, I'll go 17, 21. Mm, wow. That's, I, that is pushing the boundaries if I would take Notre Dame at any point. <laughs> <laughs> and then the finale, Notre Dame USC. Uh, I believe this game opened over the summer, Notre Dame minus three, 
I think. And uh, right now, per the odds, and this is, once again, not bettable, but uh, what the odds in the eyes of an odds maker are right now, Notre Dame, USC. I picked Notre Dame to win this game on our last podcast as Matt and I were going through this season, but I do think it would be an upset. So I'll go USC minus three and a half. I'll go USC minus seven. USC minus nine hmm. right Ooh. now. So they're only underdog in one game the rest of the way. As of right now. Now, obviously, yeah. they lose to BYU. Things can change. Right. And that, that would be an opener. And then the market will shift things, right? So Notre Dame opened two against BYU, went up to four. So I would be surprised if Notre Dame closed a favorite against Clemson, barring some injury. Um, but, you know, I, I heard you guys talking about it and... I remember thinking Notre Dame-Syracuse was a, a terrifying game, right? Look-ahead spot, just an awful situation. But I thought, Pete, you brought up a really good point. It's Syracuse is going to be in a terrible situation, too, coming off a Clemson game. So, like, where's the mindset of Cuse in there? I think Notre Dame almost catches a little bit of a break going to Syracuse when Syracuse is coming off of a what will likely be just a, a physical war against Clemson. I just I, – I can't believe – that Clemson line, like to your, to your <laughs> earlier point, no, but like fade the public, like whatever looks fishy, like go with it. Like that would be the ultimate fishy line. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that would be, uh, I mean, I think that might be a situation where uh, the the guys who move lines would be all over Clemson, but I just, yeah, like, I mean, I, 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 te- I, I said, you know, my response to Chris Andrews was, wow, Notre Dame, I gave the eyes emoji, Notre Dame minus one against Clemson. He said, neither team is that good. And I said, true. And I said, response was Clemson's getting better. And he said, you might be right. Notre Dame is never easy to beat at home. And then I responded, unless you're Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Clemson, they do get better historically. Even last year when they weren't at their peak, they, they got better throughout the course of the year. But like, I didn't, maybe this says more about NC State. I thought, especially with all those injuries and the ejection, like I thought NC State was going to beat them based on the first half of play there. And it just wasn't even, I mean, there was a, a window dressing touchdown at the end by NC state to lose by 10, but like, I'm like, if that's your biggest challenger in the ACC, you're going to cakewalk the rest of the way, especially since you already won at wake. Like I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see that. That one truly shocks me though. Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of shades. I'm starting to see the, the 2020 DJU. I mean, Notre Dame has seen the best DJU. Right. I mean, right. That kid, when I saw him, you know, watching that game, um, <laughs> funny story about that game was my wife flew back to Maryland. Our two best friends got married, but it was like a super small COVID wedding, like 10 people. And they called us like, we got married. I'm like, great. And the Notre Dame game is like over there. I'm just not paying any attention. I'm like, and until this day, they're like, I can't believe you didn't pay attention. I'm like, no, we were beating Clemson. Like, get out of my face. Like, come on. The biggest win. <laughs> Biggest win since uh, God. What was Notre Dame Clemson biggest win since Florida Oklahoma. State ninety three? Oh, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma twenty twelve. Oklahoma in twelve would be yeah the biggest one, but like the biggest one in Notre Dame Stadium since I don't know ninety three. Damn, probably, maybe probably. Stanford 12, 2012, Maybe yeah, I that, get, yeah. that was a big one for sure. Game day was there. Yeah, Tim, if you had snuck Clemson twenty twenty on your list, I think we would have yeah. Hopefully, Matt and I would have been on our. I was like, wait a minute. 
<laughs> if I figured out a way to get, get into a that student game, ID for that one, yeah, that would have been uh, just snuck into the uh, the upper deck there uh, for that game. But you stormed the yeah. field, right? <laughs> the uh, the Oklahoma game in 2012 was uh, that was another moment where my wife started to realize, like, what am I marrying? Because yeah, we weren't <laughs> married yet. It was like a Halloween party, and uh, I'm like, cool, I'll go. Come eight o'clock, I'm I'm watching the game. So I went, I was in a stranger's house, just went in the basement, sat there for three and a half hours. And she like <laughs> poked her head down like, Hey, what's the score? And I look up and I'm like, Notre Dame's winning by 17 right now. <laughs> I was like, I, I am completely stunned. Yeah. Have we, uh, speaking of 2012 and your insane fandom, have we got to your dog yet? Or did we, have we just talked about that before we hit record? Yeah, we have not. Um, Yes. I'm not embarrassed to say that my dog is named Manti. Um, so for those who you guys are both married, did you guys do a first look when you were married? You mean the dog before kids? No. So a first look is when uh, I did not it, but... is when you get when you take the pictures before the wedding. Oh, no. So my wife wanted to do that. And, you know, I'm. Catholic kid, you know, old school. Oh, you got to see the wife the first time coming down the aisle. She's like, heck with that. I want to, you know, be with my friends during the cocktail hour. I don't want to deal with, you know, all the pictures afterwards. I'm like, okay, fair. But when we get our dog, we're naming it a Manti because it was like the heart of 2012, best season ever, right? We're, we're, we're living it up. You know, I remember my wife, who's not even like a huge sports fan, we were watching the Stanford game. They win goal line. We like we bust out a bottle of tequila. We're like taking shots in our apartment, you know, on a Saturday afternoon in suburbs of Baltimore. Um, so I'm like, we're naming our dog Manta. She's like, okay, fine, whatever. We're, we'll get the dog. At, we got married in June of 2013. So I was like, we're gonna get a dog after we get married after the honeymoon. And then I'm, I remember sitting in a parking lot. I was ready to call. So we're about to ready to call a basketball game. I was calling a you know, basketball game, doing play-by-play. And my phone just starts blowing up from all my friends. Like, did you see this story? He had a fake girlfriend. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh man. And I just, it immediately dawned on me. I'm like, I don't care. Still naming the dog Manti. He was awesome. Best, best linebacker in school history. You know, best season of my life. Cause it was, I mean, born in 87, 93 was amazing. I was in first grade. And then after that, you know, it was the best season for almost three decades. So, uh, yeah, to this day, Manti hanging out with me. And every once in a while, I'd get like a like a look that way. I'd be like, yep, named after the football player. <laughs> you could, if you named him Lene, that would have been more troubling. But when well, you said, <laughs> sorry, I was like, I was dead set on naming him something Notre Dame related. So I was like, I remember I was like, oh, you know, Derek Mays was my favorite wide receiver growing up. I'm like, oh, Mays would be cool. And then my buddy was like, yeah, Mays is in blue. I was like, nope, can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Derek is a friend of the show. He hasn't come on, but he's a listener and he's an awesome guy. Um, When you said you got married in June 2013 and you said your phone blew up, I thought you were going to say, because I was right around the time Everett Golson got kicked out of school. Yeah. And I'm waiting for you to like stop the wedding to freak out over this. Yeah, no, I, I was in a pretty precarious spot myself that night when it happened. And it was that whole year was just beyond dramatic. And for you guys being part of the beat, man, it's just like those years, it was like, what is going to go wrong in the spring? Like yeah. everything, something was going to go wrong, whether it be the, you know, the 
Frozen Five or whatever it was. I mean, it was just like something. What can possibly go wrong? I mean, it was the BK is going to leave for the Eagles, and then it was it was like, oh my god, it was just it was year after year. It was kind of nice. Like those, it's so funny. And I'm you know I'm curious your guys' thoughts too. uh, But like the last five years, like I was. I loved it. Like it was amazing. Like knowing every game, there was no Tulsa. There was no just like, oh, they're going to play a team and they're going to win. Like, great. This is fantastic. Like I remember telling someone that the most enjoyable Notre Dame game I've ever watched was the 49-14 win over USC. I was like, I don't like close games. I, I don't want them to be close. I want to pulverize the opponent. So being at the Michigan game in 2014 when Van Gorder went viral or being at the Penn state game in 06, when they, you know, had Joe Pa all confused on the sidelines. Like those are my favorite games. I don't like close games. You know, I'm like, I want to dominate. It, I I always said this, uh, our friend, John Walters, who's come on our show that, and he was around sort of covering Notre Dame, I think for SI at the time in like early BK days, like the joke was always like Notre Dame football, never a dull moment, even when there should be. And the place could just not get out of its own way. And that was really like, this is probably is the only time I'd ever use the term genius with Brian Kelly, but like the genius of Brian Kelly was like the fact that he made Notre Dame football kind of boring over the last five years. You knew what you're going to get before the game kicked off. 82% of the time that was something really good. And then the other 18% of the time you knew something bad was coming down the pipe before the game kicked off that way too, but winning 82% of your games, it's not a bad place to be. Well, and it's like, people ask me all the time and they're like, Oh, do you hate Brian Kelly? I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't like the way he exited. I thought that was not ideal, but ultimately he got Notre Dame to a place that they have not been since the Lou Holtz era. And that's not even debatable. I mean, the sustained success that they had. Yes. I want to see a national championship in my lifetime. I know I was 15 months old when they beat West Virginia, but like, I want to enjoy it and maybe it'll happen. I don't know, but I think the, the, the sustained success of what they've had, I mean, you know, one of the last games I went to before or the last game I went to before the pandemic, they go to Duke, right? That's a weird spot. That's like classic Notre Dame will play like crap. And it's like, Oh my God, it's a two point game in the fourth quarter. They went down to people remember it's a forgettable game because they won by 31. You know, it was like, yeah. you know, those, the end of the BK era was like, they just knew how to pulverize inferior competition. Now, last year was weird because they weren't, you know, all that good, uh, at least early on. Uh, but even at the end of the last season, right, they just started to dominate crappy teams. And, and to me, you know, the Marshall games never existed for what, like six years. And it was, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. You're being genuine when you say this. I know I'm sure a lot of fans are like, oh, yeah, like I was really, he's probably pissed or was freaking out when, when Kelly left or, he's, or, or, she, or he was happy when Kelly left. I think I was with you that week, like when I came on the show, because you had asked me about um, who's the best hire out of all these crazy hires. And I said, I think it'll be, you know, right now I'm going to say it's Lincoln Riley at USC. And you were like, yeah, you're right, which like not, no. not the typical Notre Dame fan reaction, but it's rooted in reality. And you know, classic case of you never know what you got till it's gone. We'll see what happens here. But like Kelly, I, I, I like I think that's a, a what nine a.m. local time kick out west uh, against Tennessee this week. That's winnable. 
And if they tricky win that, spot, five and one. Um, it's a tricky spot for Tennessee. You know, people are assuming that they're just going to take care of business. They got the third Saturday in uh, in in October right. against Alabama coming up, and it's like I don't know, man. You got to go to Death Valley. It's an early game, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: uh, I I was Clay Helton's biggest fan. I love that guy. <laughs> I, I wish he got a lifetime contract. It was the great. It was fun, fantastic. Like, I mean, the Pete Carroll era was misery. I mean, it was just miserable. Like, sad. I remember I was like on a family trip in Jamaica. We we're like, all right. Let's watch Notre Dame. This was um, this was what is oh, might have been oh. What was the fraudulent year that they you know got out to a good start? Uh, I think it was Willingham's first year, maybe oh two, two thousand two, because it ended with that uh, one of your Gator Bowl trips. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, by the way, I was at the first ever Ty Willingham game. A uh, thrilling uh, no touch, no offensive touchdown, twenty two nothing win over Maryland, who was ranked by the way. Ralph Maryland was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, those Carroll teams were just terrifying. And, and I think, I, I think this USC team, in my opinion is overrated, but I think inevitably it's going to be terrifying what Lincoln Riley does out there, at least offensively uh, out there in LA. I, yeah, I think it's one of the things we've talked about in this podcast before is like judging Marcus Freeman and where it all goes. Like, he gets to do the Ohio State home and home and yeah. maybe the Alabama home and home or the, no, that's way up, but the A&M. A&M. I'm thinking of. In addition Who's A&M's Clemson. coach when Notre Dame plays them, by the way? And then USC, Lincoln Riley, not Clay Hilton, Lincoln Riley. I think that I was looking over this, that he could play five ranked teams this year, which I think has only happened twice in the last 20 years and three top 10 teams which I think maybe has not happened. I think that might have to go back to like 03 or no, 04, I think. Um, Willingham second year. So it's like this set of circumstances and the opponents he's dealing with are just different than what Brian Kelly had to play over the last five years, which is like, look, he won 42 straight against unranked competition. Like that's impressive. It's also a lot of games against unranked teams. Um, and, you know, Marcus Freeman is just not, not going to get that set of circumstances, I don't think. Well, I mean, I mean, one of the big and this isn't a knock on Brian Kelly. Like I, I, I I'm very grateful as as a Notre Dame fan that he got the program to the sustainability where they could take a risk on a guy like Marcus Freeman. Yeah. But like one of the biggest wins and <laughs> regular season wins in Brian Kelly era. I mean, might be top 10 is a Saturday night at Temple. Like that, that's, that's legit. Like that was game day. You know, I'm not, isn't that true? That year was their best win. And that was a good team that year. Right. Like, oh, they beat, I I remember, (laughs) I remember cheering on, uh, I think it was, was it Navy? Cause Navy was ranked that year too. Right. Wasn't there a year where that was the year Keenan Reynolds almost got to New York. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I remember cheering on like a Friday night, like cheering for Navy to beat, you know, Memphis. And I'm like, yes, this would be great for Notre Dame. And I'm like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, the 2018 team might have, yeah. that might have been that Navy team. We're just, you, that was Notre Dame's best win. And we're talking about them as, no, maybe it was 19. It was, it was a year. Yeah. Where it was the Malcolm 19, Perry. Maybe 19. Yeah. Could they make the playoff? Well, their best win is Navy. So probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
I mean, he's got, yeah. So, you know, spinning it forward, certainly the, the opportunities are out there. Uh, and it, it starts on Saturday. I mean, I think they, you know, I know you guys have talked about it. I, I think this is a good matchup for the Irish. I, I do. Um, and uh, I think if they can continue to do what they've, what they showed on Saturday or last Saturday against UNC, I think there's a lot of teams on this schedule outside of Clemson that they could do that too. And that includes USC. I mean, USC's defense guys is, mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched them a bunch. Like we know what Caleb Williams is capable of and Jordan Addison and Travis Dye is electric, but that defense can be got. And the, they're the anti Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame has one turnover force. They've turned 14 team. They've had 14 turnovers. I mean, it's, it's not sustainable. And uh, we'll, we'll see when it comes to a, a close there, but um, yeah, I mean, ultimately though, that USC game is uh, over the years is going to be terrifying. Yeah. You can move the ball on them. I, I agree with that. Oh, absolutely. Um, Rice moved the ball on them. Stanford moved the ball on Stanford them. Stanford moved the ball on them really well. Yeah. They turned um, the ball over twice in the five yard line. What's uh, g- given um, your game day behavior for lack of a better term that you've gone over <laughs> ad nauseum on the show. What's the, uh, What's the Murray crew contingent going to be like at Legion Stadium Saturday? Is, is, is your wife keeping her distance or what's? No, she's coming. I'm better in person. I'm better when I'm there in person, even really? though I'll, yeah, I'll say. There let's are see, other let's people look. that judge you. You're not in a basement by yourself. Well, I think yeah. everyone's just acting like like crazy, man. I remember um, when uh, in the in the magical 2002 season, after they wore those hideous green jerseys and lost to Boston College. <laughs> oh, the Ecto Cooler game. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I had basketball tryouts. I was like laying on that couch, cramping up everywhere and being like, why are they fumbling every single time they touch the ball? Um, but then they played Navy the following weekend and the, the winning streak at the time was still in, intact and they were down the entire game. And they were, it looked like they were going to lose to Navy. And I remember just freaking out in the stands on that one. But um no, it'll be uh, my wife, my dad. He's flying in, and my my sister and her uh, her husband too. So, uh, three Notre Dame alums, and then a prideful uh, Subway alum <laughs> who is more diehard than any of them. They like they they honestly when I when Notre Dame loses, they don't even call me. I didn't go there; they went there, and they're like, "Don't talk, don't talk to Tim. <laughs> Keep your distance." My friends still to this day bring up the Notre Dame Navy game in 2007. I mean, that was, whoo, man. And then how about this? So I, I, I worked on Navy's broadcast, but I lived in Annapolis and I would go get my haircut at a barbershop. And on the wall was the 46, 44 picture with Navy fans on the field. And I'm like, gotta get my haircut to this, just staring at this picture in my face each and every day. But uh, we don't talk about haircuts on the show. Like, you, you do have no. the shamrock. I do have there. Well, you have the shamrock guest um, kind of card to play with your, your domer based family, but uh, we, we don't <laughs> talk about hair or, or haircuts on the show. <laughs> well, Tim, I think that we are going to try to get together on Friday yeah. after I land, maybe go over to VEASAN and see stadium swim and all that stuff. Matt, I don't think it's until much later. So I'm on a late flight at the moment. I'm going to try to move that up, but we may have to connect uh, we'll make it work. in person on Saturday, but uh, we appreciate you carving out some of your Tuesday night as we get into Wednesday morning here and in the Eastern time zone as we're recording. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was a good, uh, I, I love any podcast 
that one could combine gambling, but also two random ass Notre Dame memories from the last 20 <laughs> years, because like there is, there is just, I've seen some things, man. Like I have seen some stuff and I cannot believe how much of it is stuck in my brain still when you start talking about Gator Bowls and TJ Hushmanzada and Anthony Morelli. Man, it's just well, the uh the the infamous initial Shamrock game, which by the way, important to note what Notre Dame 10 and 0 all time in Shamrock series games, right? No, have not lost. Well, nine and Nine and zero because Arizona State game didn't happen, uh, from what I was told. Five f- favorite uh, Shamrock, ser- Shamrock series uniforms, both of you. Oh, hmm. I think it might be these ones. I got to see them. These in ones are pretty really sharp. Yeah. Honestly, my favorite alt uniform was. I mean, they should be burned in an incinerator because of the <laughs> loss. But I love the uniforms they wore at Michigan under the lights. In uh, oh, yeah. 2011, 11. that game, oh, that game was, I mean, I thought I might have had a heart attack in that game. Yeah. That was my um, second game cover, though, and I was like, after, between that and South Florida, I was like, whoa, oh, what God, oh, for here. <laughs> Thank God I didn't go to that game. I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of been strategic. Uh, uniform, I tell you what, I went to the Fenway game, and those uniforms those are, cool. are the worst uniform. I think they're the worst things. Oh, I've I actually like those. All green, I wanted to do, I was like, God. Give me, I need gold. I need gold. I think the white will look good with the with the gold helmets. Um, I actually, yeah, I love 2012. They got a lot of crap for it because the helmets are weird, but I like the jerseys. The, yeah, Field, the like Miami. split hat. Yeah, the it wasn't really helmet. half. Yeah, that was Chicago. It's Miami. Yeah. The 2011 ones were, were really bad. Oh, that those were awful. The Care Bears. Game, um, out at FedEx or FedEx. whatever it's called. I, I oh, this, yeah, yeah, This yeah. year's are probably the best. Um I hated the Yankee Stadium game more than Matt. Did. Oh, those are brutal. Thank you for coming uh, to my side, Tim. Well, through through my brutal. New Yorker colored eyes, I love them, but I'm not gonna like by the way, argue that was that. one of my speaking of a, a stinky line. So that was kind of a weird spot in the season, right? And a lot of travel. people were kind of People were down on Notre Dame, and there was Syracuse like, won ten games that year. There was this buzz about like, oh, Syracuse is good, and the line came out. Notre Dame was like a fourteen point favorite. I'm like, oh, Notre Dame's going to murder them, and they did. I, I, I love. I, I had this conversation with uh, someone you used to work with. Um, we were talking about old lines, and he, he said, Matt, I couldn't tell you what the name of my wife's migraine medicine is, but I could tell you how much money I lost on what point spread of said team <laughs> from 2007. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't really getting into gambling all that much, but I would have lost a lot of money like a stupid Notre Dame fan of that Alabama game in 2012. I was like, oh, 10 points. Come on. I'm believing in this team. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> could not. Could not. I'll give you one more super random game. And it was the 2014 kind of debacle of a season. Pete might not have even gone to this game. It was that obscure. They played at FedEx Field in front of like, 20,000 people. Oh, Joe it was, broke his ankle. Yeah. Oh, and he was there, what yeah. a, oh, I mean, I remember like walking into that game. It was cold. It was like a chilly late October game. And Notre Dame had just lost to Florida State uh, in the heartbreaking fashion. And I look up to the upper bowl and I'm like, no one is here. Like it was, it is the least attended Notre Dame game I think I've ever been to, at least based off of the stadium size. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I remember that game because that was the game where Niles Morgan had to play and suddenly Navy started moving all up and down the field. <laughs> that was the only game Notre Ner- Dame won in the second half of that season. Crazy yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, then Notre Dame's defense turned into a final, uh, was a final destination, that movie franchise, where like everyone just like was dropping dead of broken ankles and torn Achilles. And, they and then they beat LSU. Uncle and Jacob Matuska against USC. That's right. They did beat LSU. At defensive tackle. <laughs> I think they were an eight point underdog against uh, LSU at the Music City Bowl that year. Yeah. Ever goal since last showing as an Notre Dame student. Uh, Trivia question that'll be a, an infamous uh, infamy. Who was the MVP of the Music City Bowl? Ooh. Was it Kyle Brenza? No, it's Malik. Malik Zahir. Oh, the show. I would have said that, but the way you brought it up, it, I was thinking it's someone. Well, I mean, I mean, here's I, one MVP of the Pinstripe Bowl year before. Oh, uh, Martin. Yeah, yeah, Zach Martin. Which I think might be the only offensive lineman in the history <laughs> of, of the <laughs> Was he playing tackle? Was he playing tackle yeah, at that yeah. point? He was left tackle. Yep. Notre Dame did not cover that game. I think they were a 14 point favorite. I think they lost one by 13. 29 13 or was it 29 16? 29 16. The last Rutgers game uh, in the Big East, I believe. Chris, was Chris Ash the coach of that one? No, Kyle yeah. Flood, who Kyle actually won eight, eight, won eight games the next year and then it all coach, fell yeah. apart. But wow. I, if by the way, I'll give you one final the show. As well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like people are like, "Wait, has this show ended? Are they just BS?" <laughs> if, if only this was live and like, like we had like our our true late night. It's past midnight. I think I think now, I think Pete this tried to end this show like 15 minutes ago. I'm like, "Well, wait, wait, what about this random <laughs> game that I went to?" All right, end your show. You get the get the Notre Dame fan off. You this is why you don't invite Notre Dame fans on your podcast. What's funny because you're all, you guys are on such hard outs on Visa, and they'll be like, "Matt, you got 30 seconds. Who's going to win this week?" I'm like. Uh, <laughs> I run a tight ship on my show, but when I'm on others, I just, I don't, I, I told my wife, I was like, Hey, uh, you got to put my our son to bed. I, I got to do this podcast. She's like, you have to do a Notre Dame podcast. And I'm like, yep, got to do it. Got to do it. We thank you for your service, but mostly I thank your wife and child for uh, putting up with you. Just and Manti. For, can't forget about Manti. Yeah, I got to go walk Manti. Yeah. I got to, got to go walk him. Yeah. That's for the best. So, Tim, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on a little walk down memory lane and figuring out how the heck Notre Dame is going to be favored against Clemson, but an underdog against <laughs> USC. The rest of the season. And, uh, maybe we're maybe we're back to these days of never a dull moment of Notre Dame football, even where there should be. That um, certainly the Marcus Freeman era has been uh, interesting, if if nothing else. So, we will see you on hopefully Friday, definitely Saturday. If we don't. Enjoy the game. Behave yourself at Allegiant Stadium while Matt and I are up in the press <laughs> box acting like professionals. Thanks. For All right, here. I'll try not to. Uh, I'll, I'll try not to uh, jump on the post-game uh, Shamrock episode high atop Allegiant Stadium. Nice press box, by the way. It's you guys will have plenty box. of space up there, so you'll be uh, you'll be comfy when you uh, when you record your podcast and and I listen to it on Saturday night because uh, that's what type of nerd I am. It, it's open air, so you can just like scream in from the uh, from the stands if you're still there when we record. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be like when I was on the sidelines of uh, Wisconsin and, and Arizona State, and it's the spread is in doubt, and fans are yelling at the coach to kick the field goal so they can get the cover because uh, that did happen I, in the Vegas. I may or football. may not have texted you a picture, you a picture <laughs> of yourself interviewing the quarterback, saying, "Ask him that very question right now." But that was a long time ago. All right, on that note, we're ending the show. <laughs> He's Tim. He's Matt. Oh, in the town. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Shamrock. Thank you. If you listen to this whole show, 
you maybe you should be our next guest. Um, <laughs> all five of you. So, and that that's a wrap. You've been listening to that episode, this episode of the Shamrock Matt, and I think we'll be back later in the week with maybe a live room, maybe not. We don't want to commit to that yet. But um, Tim, thanks for being with us. We'll see you in Vegas this weekend. All right, guys, see you.